All right. Do you want some? Yes, I do want some. All right. So this no, is. Don't waste much on me. Oh, it doesn't matter. Um. So I wanted to start today. Did you see uh, Top Gun Two trailer? No, I haven't. Oh man. When did that come out? It came out at Comic Con on Thursday. Okay. So that's Highland, Highland Park. I think I told you about it a little while ago. Yep. Um, it's from very, very north of Scotland. Okay. Um, where the Vikings supposedly left last. Right, it's called like Vi- Viking Scars, this one is. Yeah. Um, they use a tiny little bit of peat in there. So you'll get a little bit of a smoky taste. Okay. And then I think this is sherry as well. I thought you were still talking about Top Gun. <laughs> no, I... Um, so I'm tasting for peat. Peat, so smoke. Um, okay. Decay. Decay. That's lovely. Yeah, so some, some decay. You'll, but, I mean... Oh my god. Strong. That's strong, yeah. Chuck some ice in if you want to. No, it's fine. Um, wow. Yeah, anyway, Top Gun. It came out at Comic-Con. Yeah. Um, and I remember, like, like Top Gun's my favourite movie. Yeah. It's the gr- greatest movie ever. Yeah. Um, and they've been, for a while, they've been uh, saying they're gonna, that they're going to do it. Okay. So it was like a follow-on starting. From- so it's a, it's a follow on. It looks like it's gonna be Tom Cruise, so Maverick. Yeah. Is gonna be an instructor at Top Gun. Okay. Um, and Val Kilmer, so Iceman, is gonna be in it, but we don't really know. Like we just know he's in it. Yeah. Okay. And we've seen a shot of him in the trailer. Yeah. But we don't know like what he's gonna be doing. Yeah. And then Goose's son is gonna be in it. Okay. Um, so that's going to obviously be the... He's, yeah. he's obviously going to be one of the students. Um, and he's played by Miles Teller. Okay. So it's going to be good. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so excited. <laughs> um, and then it kind of looked... There was a shot at one point where they... He had a helmet on. But it was like a space helmet. So like a big like oh, front okay. um, thing. like Rather than like the helmet with the yeah. like mask and visor. Yeah. So that means he's going up higher. Assume so, yeah. but it was just like a quick shot of it. Okay, yeah, it's um, got to be. Yeah, so Ali's going to go up high, <laughs> but also I don't know if they use that style of helmet anymore in space. Mm-hmm. Um, it looked like really old, like yeah, U two spy plane sort of sort of stuff. Yeah, but I'm excited. It's coming out next year, I think. Okay, so that's gonna be good. But but then again, they have said like. In 2015 or 2016, they said they were going to do it, and they didn't do it. Yeah. My my all-time favorite movie is probably... If it's not Top Gun, it's incorrect. It's not Top Gun. <laughs> it's probably Interstellar. Mm, Interstellar was too long. It went for too long. Ugh, it didn't go for long enough. <laughs> yeah, I'm kind of into those kind of movies. Um, Interstellar was good, but I yeah, I think it went for too long. Yeah. Um, Top Gun just got everything, you know. <laughs> it's just it's got everything everything you could want in a movie. Oh, yeah. And yeah, I mean, um so yeah, this week there was a uh, news about Instagram. 
about them. So I, I saw controversy. Removing, yeah, so I, I read a couple of things from some of the influencers. So does this affect influencers that they've removed likes? Yeah, so first up, the uh, Instagram has removed likes in, I think, Canada, Australia, and so, I think there's a couple other places. But yeah, no. So you can't see likes when you're scrolling in the feed. No. But can you see how many people have liked your own post? Yes, yeah, so you can go on and click on the others. And it will show you up the top. But that's not the point but for other people is they, they want to flex their likes on other people. I still feel like it's like everybody knows how much people like. It's like if a social network launched without mm-hmm. likes, mm-hmm. it would make more sense. Yeah. Everyone knows how many likes like you usually get. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So you're going to still see how many likes you're getting. And that's what was cool. But there's no... It just removes the competition though. It doesn't though. But like who... Like, you can't compare, like, your photo to someone else's photo unless you count. Because, like, different photos get different likes. So, you get... I know there's, like, a range. Yeah. And you get, like, a standard amount of likes for per person. But um, it just... Well, I hope that it removes some of the competition out of it. Because I was, I, was I was down here at the lighthouse the other day. Mm-hmm. And there was um, two girls... There was one, which I think was just her younger sister, and she was the photographer. <laughs> and the other one, it was, it was freezing outside. Okay. Yeah. And they, they weren't wearing clothes for that. Yeah. And they, they were out there like posing and <laughs> and stuff like that. And I was just like, it's, it's so not. Fake. It's all so fake. Um, yeah, the worst, the worst possible time that I experienced it, and I was like, oh, this is. This is pretty, pretty disgusting. Like, yeah. So I was at, <clears throat> I was at a friend's house and we're all like sitting around just having a couple of drinks. Very yeah. chill. Like it is now. Very chill. And out in the outside, there was the girls, like it was just the guys just watching footy or something. Mm-hmm. And outside it was, um, the girls and they had the, the camera up and they were like dancing around. They had, um, I don't know if they had music on out of the phone but it was like they're making yeah. it as if it was like a lit party and yeah. it was just it if you had to turn the camera to us we were just like <laughs> slobbed out on the lounge like it wasn't it it was uh, just no. fake like it wasn't it yeah. wasn't truly representative of um of how things were but again that was like stories so that didn't have but, likes either but that's the yes yeah, so this is the thing is that i think we moved beyond yeah likes actually being relevant I mean, I know, like, when I scroll through stuff, I don't like anything. Yeah. It's just like, what does that add yeah. to any yeah. anything at all? Yeah. It's Apart true. Apart from, true. like, it makes, like, a little counter go off. But, like, in my experience, it doesn't make my experience any better. Yeah. So, I don't like stuff. Yeah. And I feel like that's probably true for quite a lot of people. I just like my friend's stuff but, like, as support. Yeah, well, like, and, but then my girlfriend <laughs> not... goes through and she likes everything. Yeah. yeah. So it's like, well, it's you're not showing really, mm. like, this is a good post by liking it. Yeah. It's either you like everything or you don't like anything. Yeah. And it's just... But, but the damage that social media is doing is, like, this representation of what life is supposed to look like. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and like exactly. people hiring private jets so they can take photos out, out the front of the private jet. Yeah. And 
like that's what it, social media has turned into. It's not about likes anymore. There's they a can, there's a show on likes. Netflix at the moment about it. What's it called? I've forgotten what it's called. It's 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 around Instagram. Oh really? Yeah. And um, it actually had a couple of cool people in there. It was like there was a photographer, mm-hmm. and um, it sort of the photos and shots that he got were cool, but it it showed how it pushed him to do like some of that stupid stuff, like um, dangling off buildings. Like you know when the you had them first shots of the people with their their feet, and it was like yeah. the tallest building in like. That was super cool. Yeah, they were cool, but like they were stupid because you're doing that just for a couple of likes on a photo. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I mean, there's there's been. I wonder how many deaths there's been from, from people. Yes, from people doing shit like that. Because you see I people mean, hanging off trains. You see people. I'm sure it's on the high. edge of cliffs. I'm sure it's high, but I don't think that. It's it like, shouldn't be anything, but... it well, Yeah, it shouldn't be anything, but also, like, deaths from alcohol shouldn't be anything, but it's, like, a thing. Yeah. So, it's, it's just something that happens, and, like, people get <laughs> over it. People, like, people will get over yeah. it eventually, and they won't, they won't care so much about... Yeah. Like, but I... How do you think this will impact Facebook? Do you I think... think do you think this is going to get less users, more users, nothing? It's not going to do anything. Okay. Like... People use Facebook because addictive, mm-hmm. and because they like they just instinctively oh I'm going to pick up my phone and scroll yeah. and like you're in the queue at the supermarket and you just like open up your phone and you scroll mm. like that's what Facebook's turned into yeah and so them taking likes away like they, there's no likes on videos yeah and there's never been likes on videos there's views on videos like that that mm-hmm. doesn't make any sense on on Instagram. So I think it's it's a good way for them to say, oh, we're trying to help, but also it's not a core functionality of the app. Yeah. So it doesn't... The only thing that I can think of is if you... Like, I was discussing this with my girlfriend just before um, the other day. If you, say, had kids, um, I personally would be more likely to give or allow social media at a younger age provided it's like less damaging but i don't think it's i I don't think it is less damaging you don't think it so you think it's more so the photo itself Mm -hmm. displaying the lifestyle as opposed to competition between us okay it's like like there were no likes in magazines yeah before instagram was a thing yeah and that was still damaging and that, that that like this is just that turned up yeah like to a hundred yeah so like taking likes off it like i don't think it's a core f- it's not the reason people go yeah to instagram anymore yeah like, but like say when you have um girls I- who who post a photo and they have like a quota they're like if i don't get 30 likes in 20 minutes. Yeah, but they still see the likes. But they still see the likes. Yeah, they still see the likes. So it's done nothing. But no one else sees the likes. So what? They still see the likes. So they still feel good or bad. Yeah. Like, if you're going to remove likes, remove likes. Like, because the functionality is still in the app. You can still like a photo. If you're going to remove it, just like, 
that's no longer an option in Instagram. Mm. And then, like, then you're actually maybe moving the needle a little bit. Because if you post a photo, you still see the likes coming in and you feel good or bad based on that. Like, I don't think people's behavior is going to change on Instagram. Yeah. And it's not going to stop people liking photos. Yeah. Because there's still going to be the social pressure. Like, if your friend posts a photo. What if, okay, how's this? What if they got rid of likes? I know they haven't. But what if they got rid of likes completely? That would make it better, I think. Yeah. Like, if if likes just weren't a thing. No, it would still be... There would still be issues, yeah. But it wouldn't be nearly as bad, yeah, as what it is now, yeah. Like like having likes. Um, so if they got rid of it totally, then I mean, only then would it have like a significant impact? I'm not sure because I feel like. I listened again to the Joe Rogan episode with Jack Dorsey, mm-hmm. um, uh, like yesterday and last night. I listened to both the episodes, and one of the things he said was that a lot of the features in Twitter, they d- didn't plan as features. It was just the way people started using Twitter, and then they were like, oh, we'll make that into like an actual thing. So hashtags, for example, people started just doing it. Really? And then they were like, okay, so we'll make that into a a thing that people can do and use that like as a navigation feature or whatever. Mm -hmm. But it wasn't something they built in and then people started using. So I feel like if you take likes off Instagram, people are just going to figure out another way to replicate the likes okay like maybe they'll comment or maybe like you don't know like what what will happen but it it'll change the the system of instagram so maybe you'll get like reposts or something will Mm -hmm. become more popular okay or but that's not something it's like a um such a complex system you can't predict yeah what's going to happen i do like twitter i've been trying twitter like, I can never... I've tried before, and like I can never make it into a habit. I feel like it's more real. I think I think, think it's more grown up. Yeah. People are a lot... Twitter's definitely the most toxic out of all the... Um, well, I don't know, because I, I haven't used... Like, I haven't figured out how to make it work for me. Okay. <laughs> like, yeah. I'll go on there and, like, scroll a bit. And I'm like, okay... <laughs> Like, yeah. I haven't got... Like, Twitter hasn't learned what I want yet. Yeah. Like, at the end of the day, that's what like what it yeah. comes down to. Like, the algorithm's got to figure out what I want to see. Yeah. And I'll keep coming back. But it hasn't done that yet. Yeah, okay. So, I don't really know. See, see the only way that I sort of navigated Twitter was I put... I found people that I liked. And then yeah. I went through who they followed. And I followed those people. Yeah. Some of those people. So, does it only show people who you follow in your feed? No. So, it'll follow... It'll show you people who you follow, but people who you follow what they like. Okay. So that's how you get like more, kind of more a, like a broader. Yeah. Yeah. That feature anyway. Like you don't. Yeah. Yeah. You only really get sort of what you follow and then like a little bit out in the outskirts from that. It's like what they're replying to. Yeah. And people who are replying to them. And that's, I would say that's what makes up most of the feed. Yeah. So, 
if you're following someone that's like commenting on and liking everything, yeah, then you know you're just gonna get. Well, you're not gonna get filled, but well, I mean, I, yeah, I, I get like so. Out, I, I've tried to start using it over the last sort of month or so, and I get probably three or four notifications a day that Ben Shapiro's tweeted. Okay. Um, <laughs> which is which is always fun. Yeah. Um, but. Other than that, I don't really get. Like, like I guess it's it's interesting to watch. I can I can see the value of Twitter, and what Twitter can could provide, but it just like I've never got it to yeah. really click with me. You know, I I wanted to. I like Reddit. I'll browse Reddit for hours. See, I haven't I haven't I haven't been on Reddit. In Reddit's a toxic. Long time. Reddit's <laughs> really <laughs> toxic. <laughs> <laughs> you you get into I read a, a medium article about it and how it was like essentially Reddit threads yeah. just become a cesspool after a few yeah. minutes <laughs> and it's just like there's like it's just kind of people posting ridiculous things and then they get upvoted and that ends up on the top yeah. and then you don't see the rest of the stuff yeah. and it's not like frictionless so you kind of it's hard to scroll through Reddit a little bit okay. But then you can also find like some really intelligent reddits, yeah, where people are having like cool discussions. I've seen some of the threads; they they they, some of them just go out of control. Yeah, well, I I got onto because um, a few weeks ago, one of the he's not an investigator; he's a journalist, but he has spent essentially the last like four years, five years, whatever it's been since MH three seventy disappeared. Basically investigating it, and That's he wrote cool. a huge article, like essentially summing up all the evidence. Yeah. Um, and he posted that on Medium, and that so I, like that came across my Medium feed, and I started reading that, and I was like, I don't know like any of the stuff that's going on here because yeah. it's got really deep. Like they talk about um, specific systems within the plane. And there was a uh, some sort of ping coming from yeah. one of the like one of the navigation systems or something, and that's connected to this electrical circuit, which can only be powered on and off in a certain way. And we know it was powered off and then powered back on, and so it gets. Yeah, that's really- pretty cool because I mean you do have people that do all that private investigation stuff, but it's cool yeah. that it's like you have that sort of avenue to display it all. Yeah. And then, yeah, so I re- I started reading this article. I had no idea what was going on. Like, it was just too deep. Yeah. I, I didn't, because obviously it was written for people who have been following it. Yeah. And I haven't. So I went on Reddit and found the MH370 subreddit <laughs> and started reading through that. Yeah. And, like, that was actually, like, pretty intelligent conversation. Yeah. Um, there's a whole bunch of conspiracy theories and stuff. Because I know there's, like, subreddits for, like, the stock market and stuff like that. Those can be a bit... I haven't been on them. Hit or miss. Yeah. Um, I can imagine it's like any other stock market forum. You have you have a few good posters, and most of it's crap. No, most most of Reddit is people asking the same questions over and over, and then people getting mad that they're asking the same question and like <laughs> posting that. So it's kind of like forums anyway, because that like yeah, happened yeah. on forums. I haven't been on a forum in forever. Yeah. I remember like back in the day when you would go on like you'd have like three or four forums that you really liked yeah and you would go on there 
<laughs> like every night. <laughs> yeah. Right, I remember those days. And like MSN Messenger. MSN was the... MSN. That was... That's not... You'd, I'd get on at a certain time. It'd be like after dinner. And you'd have all your people. And you'd have like <laughs> stupid bloody emojis and next to your name. And your name would just be ridiculous to start with. <laughs> yeah. And then you'd have, you'd have the emojis that would... They like their shortcut would be regular words. Yeah. Um, and then it would just like pop up with the emoji. And I remember that there was a, some word that I would use relatively often, but then it would turn into an emoji that was stupid. And I couldn't figure out how to uninstall it. <laughs> <laughs> so I just changed the spelling of the word. Yeah. <laughs> like, I, I, I don't know what it was. Um, but yeah, I just changed the spelling of the word so that it wouldn't pop up. Yeah. But man, MSN was great. Uh, there were the games that you could play in there. It was a, it was weird. I just it think back on it now. It was just, weird. it was just weird. At the at the time, it just felt normal. You go and jump on. You'd have like a few yeah. people you talk to. It was such a weird thing because you, if you were away from your computer, it would be totally useless. Yeah. Like you had to go on. You had to log on. Yeah. Specifically to go on there. Exactly. It's like now we have Facebook Messenger, and it's just, it's totally different. Yeah. Even though it's essentially the same functionality. I would really like to. Do you reckon there's a way to retrieve messages? No, it's gone. It's gone. It's gone. God, that'd be interesting. I would love to go back. <laughs> there are videos on YouTube where, like, YouTubers have because you used to be able to save them. Yeah. So people would save them, um, but I, I think like it, it's well and truly gone now. I know they, like, the servers are offline so i don't think you could find those messages yeah but it would also be really cringy oh it'd be bad but that's 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 the only reason why i would go back to to actually look at it yeah i remember that remember you could plug it into itunes yeah and it would show what you're listening to oh yeah like in your like little status thing yeah (laughs) like what was that like a like a message you could, you would write on there and it would appear below your name. Yeah. What was? What I don't was, even know. That was oh, it was really weird. And you know, MySpace is still a thing. I found this out this week. No. It's still it's still a thing. Like who, you can. Who owns it? Like some big media company, okay. and Justin Timberlake. <laughs> and they're just keeping it going. Yeah, and yeah. but they've like changed it into. Um, uh, weird I'll bring it up on here for you it's a kind of a weird music slash um, news site I guess okay I oh, see I never had MySpace see there I jumped straight start. from straight to Facebook Ah, oh, there you go you got Tom Cruise yeah oh man I was so excited <laughs> but yeah it's like it's kind of weird and it's when gonna, it come it, out by the way uh, maybe this article will tell us. Okay. And then, like, 19 people have shared it, I guess. So, 19 people use... It's the, it's the top In thing on MySpace. 19 people. Yeah, it's the top thing on MySpace right now. 19 shares. June 26th, 2020. So, it's like a year away. It That's is, surprising. That, I wonder where the users actually are. Oh. I wonder if it's like a... Oh, it, it, but it had, like, quite a, quite a large number of monthly users. Mm. Like if you go on the Wikipedia for MySpace, it still ha- like it has a recent number for monthly users. It's quite big, like in the millions. Shit. So that's very weird. Mm. Um, 
but then and it was ranked like there's for for like most visited websites it was ranked in like the one thousands. Yeah. Which seems odd. Yeah. Like I feel yeah, like it would be much further names. down. You reckon? If yeah, it was yeah. millions. No not not be, not based on the number, but based on the fact that it's MySpace and it disappeared oh, yeah. Yeah, exactly. like a decade ago. Yeah. But it's still one of the top thousand sites visited on the internet. Yeah. I see what you mean. Yeah. Which is like I feel like Apple's website and like those sorts of websites would just like naturally kick it down because it's just useless these yeah. days. Like nobody uses Apple's website. Well, like Apple.com. Oh, right. Like, I feel like more people would go to Apple.com than MySpace. Than MySpace. <laughs> but, like, obviously a lot of people are going to MySpace and people love MySpace. I don't know. It's weird. I never used it, like, when it was actually a thing. I got Facebook. Okay. Um, I think that's what you said, yeah. What's that? Did yeah, yeah. I, did, I, I went straight from MSN to yeah, Facebook. Yeah, I went from MSN to Facebook. <laughs> Like, I don't think I got Facebook until I was, uh, year 10. Yeah, I would have been in middle school. So, like, probably year 8, I got it. Yeah. Um, yeah, it would have been year 8. So, I was, like, the very last few people where they didn't have a smartphone early on. Yeah. Like, my first phone I got in, like, year 7, and it was a flip phone. I didn't even have a flip phone. I had, like... A cheap, like ripoff of a Nokia, like one of those Nokia phones. Yep. It was my grandma's phone. Yeah. Um, so, um, and it could do basically nothing. Yeah. And then yeah, I got a a smartphone. It was some crappy LG thing. Yeah. A couple of years later. And yeah, it was really bad. It didn't have an app store. It didn't like. It, like, ran a proprietary OS as well. didn't even run Android. Yeah. So it was really bad. <laughs> but, like, yeah, for for ages, social networking was done on the computer. Yeah. Which I think that was, that was obviously the big shift in social networking was when people got smartphones. Yeah. And then they started to carry it around with them everywhere. Like, it was good. Like, at least it restricted your use to... Yeah, to when you came home. That. Yeah, well, I mean, some people sort of starting to do that now where they they have they still use facebook and stuff um but they've deleted all the apps off their phone mm. so the only time that they can check it is when they're actually at a computer that's what i, I think, think that's not a bad idea too like you yeah. don't you don't want to be on it all the time and i when i was really sort of into it i would have like the twitch or the urge to like check my phone mm. and i would do it subconsciously i would just i would pull it out i'd open it and and before i knew it i was in facebook and i was like and then you'd switch over to instagram and then you would like run out of stuff on instagram so you switch back to facebook which you've left 20 seconds ago to see if there's something new yeah it's like checking the fridge every 20 minutes it's like nothing new is going to be there (laughs) but you still check it anyway yeah but and and that's the point of it yeah and they're literally programming us to do that and I, I listened to a podcast episode in, uh, would have been 2016 or something. Mm-hmm. Um, it was while I was doing year 12, so 2016. Yeah. And 
it was I think it was Carl Newport, and he was talking about deep work. Okay. Um, and essentially was talking about this sort of thing that people have is where they can't be bored because social media has taught us there's always like an easy fix to boredom. Mm-hmm. Like so, when you're standing in the in a queue. Like you pull out your phone just instinctively and start yeah. like sort of scrolling. Like you're not really getting anything from it. It's just like a little like endorphin rush. Like okay, yeah. I'm not bored now. And then you get tired of that app and you switch apps. Yeah. And so every time you open it and it sort of loads and takes a second, you're like, oh, is there going to be something? And then there might not be. And they they build it like they give you good stuff sometimes and not other times, like mm-hmm. slot machines. Yeah, true. It's built on the same sort of idea. But as humans, we need boredom. Yeah. We need... Like, that's time That's time where we can be, like, creative. Yeah, like, I think... A lot of the time, like, you hear people of, like, their good ideas and stuff, and they say, oh, it happened in the shower, or it happened on the toilet. Like, that's the... There's only, like, a few moments yeah. or even... Yeah, so there's only, like, a few moments where you can't actually have a phone... Mm-hmm. that people are creative now. So it might be like they're driving in the car and that's where they have their time to think yeah, about certain things. Yeah. Oh, I mean, if you're driving though, like at least... A lot of people yeah. still... I know, I know, I know, I know, I know they do. But <laughs> like... It's really bad. The, it's such a small area now where you can experience boredom. Yeah. That's why like I enjoy riding my skateboards around because yeah. like, I'm not going to go on my phone on Exactly. Like like coming here from the station, it was like a ten k ride, yeah. And I just put on a eighties playlist, yeah. And was just jamming the whole way, <laughs> and it's like it's just fun, yeah, yeah. Um, and I do like going to work and back in the mornings. I, I mean, I've been getting the train recently because it's been so damn cold, yeah. But I make a conscious effort not to take out my phone. Um, so I try to listen to an audiobook or a podcast yeah. and just not not change it. Because my thing that I've deleted all the social media apps off my phone. Mm-hmm. But my thing now has become I'll be listening to a podcast and then it'll sort of go into a little bit of a, not even a boring section or anything. It just, my brain wants a, a change. Okay. So I'll go and open up Spotify, play some music for <laughs> like a minute or so and yeah. then switch back okay and it's like yeah it it's this weird thing that's ha- like trips in our brains that we've got to keep like making things fresh but you think about like when our parents were growing up mm. there wasn't something new all the time to no. stimulate your brain and yeah it's like this overstimulation of things it's the same thing when you go on Netflix and you start a movie and it's still building the movie and, yeah. and then you're like, oh no, there's something else I can watch. And like, so you watch like the first five minutes of every movie. Yeah. Because it's this <laughs> constant, it's more simulation to start a movie mm-hmm. than to watch through that first little like yeah. boring section. Yeah. Which is like, I, I, it's not necessarily bad, I don't think. Like on, on a like human level, it's not bad. But if you want to get work done, you want to like do things, you've got to actively... I think that impacts your... It's got to impact your um, attention span over time. Yeah, I think it'll impact your attention span over time, but that's not 
like on a macro level i don't think that's such a, like that might not be a bad thing yeah um i think it's a bad thing when you're trying to get work done yeah but what work are people doing when they're at work yeah it was, it's like like but i think the like say if you're jobs where people may maybe jobs are moving towards an area where there's just something like new like in retail jobs or yeah. like so you're not doing a monotonous thing yeah like say if you're crunching excel or something yeah. like that thing that requires like you know hours of just constant concentration yeah there's only yeah i guess there's there's there are jobs out there that do it but there's also you know a bunch of jobs that still well, i think the jobs that matter well no i don't want to say the jobs that matter um <laughs> that's getting myself into hot water <laughs> <laughs> but the jobs that are like going to produce long-term results for like a scientist or a um like elon musk yeah um you need to be able to think about things deeply for long periods of time. Yeah. And that's where, like, if you keep pulling out your phone, that will, it'll damage your ability to do that. Mm. So, and we, we, we were going to talk about the portal. Yeah. They kind of talked about that at the beginning, where there's been a stagnation of scientific progress since the 70s, and they had some ideas, which well, kind of went over my head a little bit. Well, the convincing, I mean, it was very simple, but they said, essentially, you pull out or you take away, you go into a room like we are now, and you take away all screens. Mm-hmm. It's like, how do you know that you're not in the 70s? Yeah. It's, it's very difficult to sort of... Yeah, to figure out that you To not. figure out that you're not actually in the 70s. Yeah. Um, because other technology just hasn't advanced enough. Now, it was more so like that they were talking about the low-hanging fruit. Yeah, they were talking... Well, they were talking about, um, like, obviously being... I think Eric Weinstein is... He's in a, he's got training in economics, uh, but he's also very deep into physics. Mm-hmm. And so they were... And in physics, there hasn't been a really big breakthrough since the 70s no um i mean in 2013 we confirmed the higgs boson yeah but we were working with that model for decades anyway yeah um and then we confirmed that it existed yeah um, but but things like that too like uh, maybe i don't know about it but they haven't contributed to something that we can purchase no no um so yeah, the like the Higgs is. I mean, it's cool that we figured out that it's there and that like we've seen it, or yeah. as much as you can see the Higgs boson. But it doesn't change anything. No, um, it's just like so we figured out. So it comes out of the standard model of particle physics, um, which gives us. It's essentially a step below what you learn in like high school yeah. I guess about uh, protons and neutrons and electrons forming atoms uh, it's a step lower than that mm-hmm. so you have quarks inside yeah. uh, protons and neutrons 
and they we think are fundamental particles. Yeah. And so you have like two ups and a down in uh, I forget the charge and I think two ups and a down in a proton and two downs in an up and a neutron. Mm-hmm. Um and then there's forces that act between them to hold them together. Yeah. Um I, th- I think that's the strong force that acts between them. Yeah. Not 100% sure. Um it's been a while since I I studied this stuff. Yeah. Um, But essentially, so you've got this deeper level and then the Higgs boson. So bosons are, I think quarks are bosons. Um, Like there's a whole like sort of. Yeah, there's a massive, it's huge. Like I've seen the standard model. Things and essentially the boson or the Higgs boson is something that propagates through space and in the way it propagates through space is essentially a wave. Um, So coming from quantum theory, essentially it's this wave that's through space. And then you have um, other particles interact with this wave. And that interaction is what causes them to have mass. Um, But not every particle. Only some particles have mass because of the Higgs field. And not every particle. And it's kind of weird. But... Like, for physicists, that's really exciting. But for, like, everyday stuff, it's like, has no relevance. Well, I mean, maybe it's... Or maybe we just haven't found... The, like, this is this is what I'll say they talked about as well. Like, maybe we've discovered stuff, or there's stuff that's yet to be discovered. But culturally, we, we don't know what to do with it, mm. essentially. So, like... Uh, I can't say for certain, but like say maybe the the Higgs boson, that discovery, now we can create something else. But because we're so focused on this one thing in society, like say maybe it's just technology, maybe it's used for something else. Yeah. Um. Maybe we just can't can't use it until we realize that. Yeah. Well, that that's kind of the history of physics, isn't it? Yeah. Like Einstein is known for. E equals mc squared, mm-hmm. which there's kind of a very obvious application that got used very quickly. Mm. Um, and general relativity, he was sort of known in the physics community for, but he won his Nobel Prize for the photoelectric effect, yeah. which we didn't start using for decades, mm-hmm. and for lasers. Yeah. Like he essentially invented a theory yeah. that allows us to make lasers. And we didn't use that for decades either. Yeah. Like we kind of invented, I mean, we, we invented lasers, but just as like a, look what we can do. Yeah. Um, and then we didn't use them until I think miniaturization of lasers happened because of barcodes. I'm pretty mm, sure. Okay. Um, yeah. So you essentially back in the like uh, 70s, let's say, if you went to the grocery store, you would essentially go up to the counter. They'd maybe have like a rudimentary computer and they would have to essentially type in everything and add up all the stuff you were buying. So you could be a good cash out person, or like checkout person, mm. because quick you're quick at doing it. So all the people would go to your yeah. till um, and... But it was still very slow. Yeah. Like, very, very, very slow. Yeah. And so they 
wanted to figure out a way to uh, make that faster. Mm-hmm. Um, it was also, you can imagine, if you wanted to change the price on something, you'd have to change the labeling on every item yep. in the store um, to put the correct price on. Um, so what they did was they came up with essentially uh, a system for labeling everything that just used numbers. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's the numbers you see on the bottom of the barcode. Yeah. Um, and then eventually they, fi- they came up with a system to use the lines that a laser can measure. Yeah. And the first of these systems were insanely expensive. Um, they were like really, really big. It's always the case. Um, and then the happens. Yeah, and then it yeah. slowly it became more and more useful. And now we pay to be the checkout person. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, true. <laughs> so it's but but Einstein came up with lasers in like the 1910s yeah. and it didn't really get properly used until like the 70s and 80s mm. so that's one of the things is but then also nothing from the 70s and 80s has been used yet yeah. it was, and there's nothing really that's been discovered yeah. in physics in physics at least which is like I'm biased but it's, it's the fundamental science yeah. like you, you understand physics you and this, like you build that up and it's chemistry and you build that up and it's biology. Yeah. And so a lot of the stuff comes from physics. Like um MR- MRIs is essentially like fancy magnets. Yeah. And you pass a magnetic field and it bends around the nucleus of atoms and then you can figure out what's there. Yeah. And like we haven't like come up with anything like that in a long time. That's what they were talking about. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. Let's have a taste of this. This is Isla Scotch. Yeah, I'm gonna finish this one. Ooh. <laughs> you get used to it eventually. All right. Yeah, well, I mean, the the stuff around, like, why we haven't, like, actually found any use for um, these technologies, too, is, like, they were talking about, um, like, the university system. Because a lot of the stuff comes out of the university. Yeah. That was um, quite interesting. And sort of how sort of postgraduate programs now are these days. And I mean, it's like I had a little bit of experience in it, in like searching for them. Mm-hmm. Um, but they are, they're just too specialized. Like yeah. some of them, some of them, it's so difficult to see like the bigger picture and the thing that you're actually working on is so tiny that it's like, well, you, you kind of want to know the bigger picture. So you're, they talked about like the motivation of it. Like you yeah. want to be motivated in order to study what you're studying. Yeah. And Peter Thiel was saying how like he was more motivated at 18 than he was at 25. 
and yeah, I think I, I, I learned that pretty quickly. I think luckily in my first year at uni when I was doing physics and maths, and then I realized like it's a bit of a graveyard. Yeah. I mean, and I was at University of Western Australia, which is really one of the cutting edge universities these days Mm -hmm. because they're in WA and so they have the square kilometer array Mm -hmm. uh, being like massive telescope uh, in their backyard and they have a big interferometer in their backyard and so scientists from UWA were on the paper that saw gravity waves for the first time Mm. and um, the, the subsequent uh, sightings of gravity waves or measurements of gravity waves have come out of not only UWA. They ha- they have to, by nature of what they're doing, they have to have them all over the world. Mm-hmm. Um, but that there were there are physicists at UWA who are very influential. Yeah. Um, and you, I still got the sense that it was like it's not the field that you want to end up in today i think if you want to go into a field that's really exciting it's biology yeah but that's if you want to do biology yeah that's true um like i just i just wouldn't be into biology well i mean the the second the the first one that i was actually going to be working on was uh artificial muscles Mm -hmm. and that sounds really cool um but but what i was actually working on was are uh, these small little nylon fibers that you essentially you twisted and you coiled them up and then yeah. if you heated and cooled them in a certain okay. way they would expand and contract okay but then it was like not even about that it was about like the maths it's just simple geometry the maths behind like why they do yeah it's just like heat expansion you have volume yeah the volume increases and like so it was more about like torsion mm-hmm. in a nylon fiber and sort of the mathematics behind it yeah as opposed to like designing a muscle exactly like it's not it's it's like it was cool it sounded cool yeah. um but it, but it wasn't about artificial muscles at all yeah. um this the second one was actually interesting because that was that was about uh like 3d bioprinting yeah um so they they 3d print with stem cells because mm-hmm. stem cells are so available now <clears throat> i didn't even know that because i asked him i was like how do you get them he's like oh we just buy them i was just like okay <laughs> yeah, yeah they have like a donor and someone donates okay. their cells and then they culture them into okay. uh stem cells and they do what they want with them but yeah they they want to essentially 3d like you know how you got them fine threads when you 3d print they want to be able to 3D print uh, a structure, like a matrix, that you can inject these stem cells into. Okay. And the differentiation in the actual um, scaffold or the structure is what's going to cause the stem cells to turn into like fat, cartilage, skin, etc. As opposed to doing what they do now. Or what they could do is they would just culture them into skin cells and then inject them and have to sculpt them. Yeah. Um, because essentially what they were trying to do, they wanted to make a, they wanted to make an ear 
because people some some people have a deformity where they have like uh their one ear is deformed yeah. and it, obviously they get bullied and stuff um so it was a way that they could replicate one ear yeah take a scan of it and then and then flip it, the it and side. put it on the other side um what they do now is they cut cartilage out of your rib okay so they have to remove the lower rib and they use that cartilage and then they sculpt they sculpt to an ear it's pretty crazy that they can do that even like yeah it's it like the surgeons are super um talented in order to be able to do that but yeah you'd hope you get a good one <laughs> yeah um but but injecting this pre-cultured stem cells is the same thing like you still have to sculpt an ear yeah whereas the other thing you just let the computer do it like as long as you have the scan it's going to make it exact that's pretty cool yeah um yeah so that was that was what i was looking at doing um Mm -hmm. but even then i'm I'm sure it would have had issues with it as well like like the university system nowadays is especially for the academics um actually went and had a conversation to my supervisor about it mm-hmm. and i was like well what's it actually like like i don't want to i don't want the fluff that everyone else gets i just want like your honest answer like do you enjoy it is it worth yeah you know is it all made out to be like is it what you thought it would be and he said it's a lot of the time like you move from uh, PhD to postdoc to maybe becoming a lecturer, or professor, etc., etc., yeah. and you move up the line, and you're not actually in the lab. You're just more managing PhD yeah. students, and then once you've done managing PhD students and using their research to write a few papers, then you're just out getting grants. Yeah. So you're constantly filing grant applications to get more money in yeah. order to. And and that led on to the, the next thing that they also said as well, like, um, they talked about one guy who was doing fake research, essentially, mm-hmm. like, not one guy, like, it was in the university, there's um, people fake their data in order to publish research in order to yeah. get more grants. Yeah. And there's an incentive to do so. Mm-hmm. And if it's not faking their data it's being misleading with their data yeah so like one of the examples that i came across was we were um competing with another research team with these thermoelectric materials yeah the thermoelectrics is you basically have um, a material where you pass like one side's hot the other side's cold and out of it you get electricity yeah um but anyway the, the way that they were um making these materials and testing them is they would make the material they would test it but they wouldn't repeat test on it mm-hmm. so like the testing itself changes the structure of the material yeah so for the first so it's not reusable yeah, so it makes okay. it useless but yeah. the material uh, structure that they had before the test gave them this awesome reading it was like 50% higher than everyone else in the yeah. that's ever published research and it made them look really good. Yeah. But the thing is like, it's not, it wasn't a true representation of like how that material will perform over like repeat. Yeah. 
yeah. cycles. But because their results are so much better than everyone else's, it is worth publishing that. Yeah. And I can imagine there is then a, a slowdown of the actual process of researching. Yeah. Because you're you're publishing something that's really not yeah not worth publishing yeah and it was it was also we also competed as well so like as soon as they publish that research it's honestly like this it was weird like I didn't know this is how research was yeah uh, and it might not be the same for all research maybe it was just that particular area but it was just people flexing on each other constantly yeah. there would people would go out and do research just to flex on another team in say the u.s yeah. that's all they were doing so like my research was to prove them wrong yeah so it was just like you go out and you research and essentially we just try and yeah. i mean that's it's good like it's peer-reviewed yeah but essentially but it's that's the becoming is, the peer review is becoming it's lost it's getting yeah. it's getting lost now but the fact that they're able to even like publish that stuff and get it through yeah uh, is part of the problem mm. it's quite interesting but then did you see the Neuralink live stream this week no Elon Musk. I have read the wait but why though yeah. That was a couple of years ago. Yeah, so essentially what he wants to do is put a USB-C port in our heads. Um, what? Yeah, like essentially that's what it is. Um, in our hands? Like in your head, oh, in like your head. in your brain. I thought it was going to be a wire. Okay, that makes no, sense. So you have like a USB-C port in your head. Um, and they said they want to make it wireless, but then... I mean, we know how Bluetooth drops out all the time, so I don't know if you want Bluetooth in your head. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so essentially what they're doing is they've got these, like, fibers. Okay. They've, they've developed some sort of fiber, which goes between, essentially, two neurons. And oh, they can do that now. Apparently. Okay. And so it picks up the action potential of the neuron and they can put like a thousand of these into your head Only a thousand. um well i think they had they had a version that could do more but they're like essentially cost benefit or like essentially the risks of putting yeah. more than that didn't give you that much more bandwidth um okay. so or not enough more bandwidth to offset the risk of it yeah. Um, but essentially, so they've got these threads and they put them in and they've had to build essentially a, a robot to be able to do it precisely. Okay. And they put it in there and then there's a little microchip that it's all attached to and that microchip has a USB-C port on it. And then so once that's in, you can then plug into it and their idea that they're saying is that they, or their first goal is to well, so so th there's the scientists and then there's Elon. Yeah. Um, so the scientists are saying, well, this could be used for like making uh, computers usable by people with disabilities. 
so if they can't like move their hands, move a mouse, they yeah. essentially like plug it in, and then they can move the cursor around, mm -hmm. just like with their thoughts. Um, and then Elon's like, yeah, no, I want to hang out with the AI. <laughs> well, I mean, a thousand neurons isn't enough to do much. Like, it's enough to do some basic controls. Like, you look at the buttons on the keyboard here. Mm -hmm. Like, you could allocate a neuron to each button. Um, and that yeah. way you could perform tasks. Yeah, but so... to do anything, like, really complicated, like, you need... A lot yeah. of, a lot of them, but it's still cool. It's still yeah. cool that you're, it's still, it still fixes the problem with the bandwidth issue with the thumbs yeah, and the fingers. Like we can't do that much. Like if we're able to think out, um, text as we want it, then it'll be much quicker. Yeah, I don't even think it's like they've got to that level. I think yeah. uh, they've got to like X Y, yeah, yeah, like like sort of X Y movement of a mouse. Yeah. Yeah. Um, apparently, they've started using it on chimps. Okay. They've done some testing on chimps, and there was a picture of a rat with like a. Okay. Um, how, how do they actually go about? How do they actually go about? Implanting them though. There's a robot. Yeah, but like, so how do they attach it to your neuron? You like, I don't know. They had a they had a video of like it looked it looked like a sewing machine. So there's like essentially like I think there's a very rigid needle. I think maybe they would have to open up a part of your skull. Surely. I think you'd have to, and then they can, like, essentially go through that hole. But like, they'd probably drill into your skull, like with a very fine needle so it's not that big of a hole it's a start <clears throat> yeah what what would be interesting would be a uh some sort of netting that you could put over your like outer cortex yeah um that could then like grow into and attach itself to neurons so you don't have to do it itself like it already just like self-locates Mm -hmm. Kind of like a, like, you know how you see like a, a fungus have like kind of like rose up yeah. over like, yeah. I can imagine like that, but like growing in. Yeah. And then you. But then I guess the thing that I, I was listening to a podcast about this today and some of the essential concerns is that it's not going to be like sort of, uh, durable in the in the body because mm -hmm. like essentially anything foreign you put in the body the body tries to eject yep. so we don't know how durable it's going to be in the body um so i don't think it's supposed to be a permanent thing at this point well they've not designed it yeah so it's permanent yeah. um they've got to solve that problem essentially yeah which is yeah like you don't know if they're going to be able to do that and i mean I just wouldn't want to have something that's corroding or degrading in my mind, like yeah. in my, on, on my brain. Like it's just, yeah. there's, there's he, always he going to be a few people. He, he says that he wants to put it in humans by next year, Yeah. which it's Elon. So it's Elon time. So it's not going to be next year. Yeah. Like just telling you <laughs> right now, it's not going to be next year. Just yeah. like, he's not going to have a million robo taxis on the roads by next year. 
It's not, it's not going to happen. No. But it was cool, at least. And I guess it's something he's been working on. Yeah. Like, behind the scenes. It's a good idea. Like, I do... I do like the idea, but I just don't know how far away. Like my idea of the the brain machine interface is something that, you know, you can actually communicate with the computers. Yeah. But but that's what Elon wants. He wants to have a chat with the AI and the computer. Yeah. But then also like, what does that like provide? But also like, how is that going to affect your brain as well? Like, yeah. it, that's a lot of information you're passing through, like... Yeah, what if it just fries your brain? Like, a biomaterial. Yeah, I said it could... But then, like, what if you could, at some point, like, do away with education, and you just, like, plug in knowledge? I mean, that would be pretty cool. Like, that would that would accelerate our development, wouldn't it? Like, if you could give someone a, like, PhD level knowledge mm-hmm. in a certain area, just like that. Yeah. And then they can go and do research. Yeah. And find out more stuff. Yeah. And then the next person that comes along, you can just give them all of that knowledge just super easily. Yeah. So that would, like, speed up that process. Yeah. I was thinking about, this is, this is a little bit different, but, like, you know, people talked about like nanobots and you slowly replace every neuron in your brain with like something that's like metallic. I haven't heard this, no. Or something that's more durable that you can then after death, like plug, essentially plug into a computer. Okay. People were saying like, you know, you're essentially making a copy of the brain. Yeah. But if you give it all the functions of the brain, like able to rewire itself essentially, mm-hmm. then you can pull it out of the the skull and then just connect it into a computer. Well, one of the things that I was um, one of the things that came up on the on the podcast I was listening to today was that we have and it came up on the selfish gene as well. Yeah. Is that we have these odd definitions for for things. Yeah. And so we so we say the brain is this like thing in our head but there's no clear-cut scientific reason Mm -hmm. to limit the brain to just like this part of our head yeah like so your spinal cord could be part of your brain like it can work as a system Mm -hmm. um or your eyes could be part of your brain they're directly like wired into your brain yeah so there's no real reason to apart from making it easy for us to conceptualize to treat the brain as like the squishy stuff in our head as a unit like you can extend that and treat more of it as a unit and we don't know how much of the rest of the stuff is attributable to what we consider to be brain activity yeah so like on that point that you you take the brain out, like you replace the brain, you take the brain out. Is that still you? Like, would it, would it still actually operate the same? If you were to take the brain out, yeah. Like it it might not. Like we don't know. There might be. Oh, you mean if there's other parts of the body that there's other parts of the body that 
we don't realize are performing brain functions. Uh, and that's something that we would figure out. Well, did you watch the um, that clip or do a little bit of further research into the split brain experiment? Yeah, I, wa- I, I watched the clip that you said and it was, it was kind of crazy. Like, yeah. I kind of got what, like, what it was going on. It was like part of your brain sees stuff and part of your brain understands stuff, was it? Yeah. But they act independently of each other. Yeah. So, like, one will... Well, well, no, what I got was that they don't act independently because we've got connections. But when you but cut But if, if you cut the connection, then it's like... You essentially have two brains. Yeah. Because you can do... You can perform two tasks. Yeah. That's, without knowing of the other task. Yeah. So, one brain... Like, they, they, they talked about, like, um, drawing... They were drawing two stick men. Yeah. Obviously, this side controls this side and the other side controls this side so you can and they're acting independently of each other so you would draw perfect stick bend yeah with like no worries at all like you'd be completely but then i guess like if you no i think you could do that as long as your coordination with your left hand is not too bad yeah um, i think like that would be but then what does that mean for like the split in the brain because that's just telling me, like, I'm just really good at drawing two stick men. <laughs> like, because yeah. does that mean that one half of the brain... Because, like, what I got from it is that, like, each half of the brain is doing a different thing. So yeah. only one half of the brain can perform certain tasks. Yes. Yeah, so they can perform certain tasks, but they can also... Um, they Like, they still have some level of... Um, what's the word? Like, general th- yeah, like, yeah, like general thought capacity. Okay. So they can act, but they, yeah. like, they do have those separate things, like one... Like one side speech. does, yeah, because I think that was the point in the video. Yeah. Was that it was talking about speech and that... Well, that was how they only, showed they were different. Yeah, you only understand things because you can put words on them. And so if you hold something in one hand and it's not connected to the speech portion of your brain, yeah. like you can't describe what it is. Yeah. I think that's what speech. I got. Yeah. Or the speech, like the, the, the one was like the little pony. There was like a little pony there. Yeah. And I was like, one was like, you know, it showed on the screen, you know, pick up the pony mm-hmm. and pass it to your other hand. So I was able to understand like you that you had mm-hmm. to pick it up and put it to the other hand. And then the other hand then also was like, This is a really nice pony. Like it's like why did you why do you have this in your hand? It's like Okay. So like they're both able to understand So it does but it doesn't understand that the other hand has got an instruction to pass it over. No. Okay. So like and so, like, what's triggering in your brain is, like, you're identifying a pony with your other hand. Yes. Even though you already, like... Can't you already you already knew... You already saw it yeah, with okay. your other... That's pretty cool. That's... <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's, that's pretty cool. Yeah, it was very interesting. Look more into that. Um, there was... um. Did you get um, weird YouTube suggestions this week? Because no. there was a bit of, like, noise on the internet about YouTube's algorithm really? went weird this week. Okay. 
like and specifically there was a video from like 10 years ago of the stig being revealed that got recommended to a bunch of people oh really yeah that's pretty funny um so like there was an episode of um top gear actually i did see that you saw it pop up it popped on my thing yeah and it, it, the the video is like 10 years old mm. And that. and it comes and it pops up and there it's was like an episode where that they reveal the stick and he like comes up and they convince him to take his helmet off and it's Michael Schumacher and everyone's <laughs> like oh my god um, and it's obviously been on YouTube for ten years yeah but suddenly it's been recommended to heaps of people yeah and so you scroll through the comments. And everyone's like, why am I getting a 10-year-old video (laughs) recommended to me? I see that for a lot of other ones as well. Like, you'll see, like, four-year-old videos. And it's like... Yeah. You go to the comments and it's like, why am I being recommended this in 2019? Yeah. Um, I think I've got some some idea. Like, they've added a feature sort of recently Mm -hmm. where they, they transcribe really well most of their videos. Um, and then if you use the mobile app and you go, it essentially gives you a feed Mm -hmm. of videos and you don't have to click on the videos to watch them anymore. So you, you scroll through and it like pops up the video. And then if you scroll it essentially to the top of your screen, Mm -hmm. it starts playing and you can read the transcription. And then if you then keep scrolling and you come back to that video later, it will remember where you were up to. And I think it's essentially got to, they've, they've rejigged their algorithm yeah. to have videos that fit that model better. Yeah. So if you're on mobile, you're more likely to just keep scrolling through. Well, what's interesting is it doesn't show you, show you any ads hmm. when it auto plays videos. Oh yeah. Yeah. So when you, when you click on it, it plays an ad straight away for you. Do they record as views? I'm not sure. Because I know on Facebook, it's, uh, I think, it seemed a little bit ridiculous, but it was like three seconds was counted as a view of an autoplay. Oh, I don't know how they so count like that as views. That's really because that's like quite a big thing for YouTube. Yeah. Is the view count. Yeah. I'm not sure. Because I've watched like quite a few videos just like that. Yeah, well, some have, well, they have the um, captions that come up. Yeah. And so you can essentially watch the video. Yeah. Especially at work. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. like you just scroll through and you can watch like a bit of video. Yeah. So a lot of the videos that I've been getting recommended are very short. Mm-hmm. And I've been getting a lot of Formula One videos, which is probably I got one and I watched it and then... I've been getting Minecraft videos. People are starting to play Minecraft again. That's... <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's starting to be big again. Like PewDiePie started playing Minecraft. I mean, he's still a thing, obviously, but I haven't he's watched him in years. I haven't watched him in years. How he's many subscribers does he have these days? Oh my God. He's been getting... Uh, Is that like a an aberration in YouTube's system that he's got 100 million subscribers? Like, there's no one else that's close to him. Were you seeing the sub to PewDiePie stuff, didn't you? No. You didn't see that? What was... When was that? Oh, Okay. Okay. Have I have missed like? <laughs> have I missed like a man? Okay, so like there was um, 
essentially this big movement started by Mr. Beast. Who's Mr. Beast? Holy shit. So he was... Okay, we'll start with Mr. Beast was like this up-and-coming YouTuber who basically gave away a bunch of free money from his um, sponsors. Okay. And that got him like lots of views. So like he does things like last person to remove the hand from the Lamborghini gets to keep it. Okay, so So, that was like a video. Yeah. Or like last person to leave the revolving door gets 50 grand. Okay. Or I gave a hundred grand to a homeless guy. Stuff like that. Anyway, he was... And he made this video where he had this big sub to PewDiePie movement. Okay. When I'm not this? sure if he was the actual beginning, but he was the one who made it popular. When was this? Last year. Last year. Okay. Ma- late last year, probably. Okay. Um, and he... Uh, had all these billboards and stuff. And he had... Oh he went full out... It was ridiculous, like, what he did. Okay. And everyone else got behind it. Everyone. Everyone was doing sub to PewDiePie stuff because there was another guy in India called T-Series. Okay. And there was a battle between who could get to 100 million first. Okay. T-Series won, Uh, essentially. T-Series, you have to look it up. I I don't actually know. He's like a singer, actor, Bollywood star. I I do know that. At some point, there was a fight between two YouTubers where they like had a boxing match. No, that wasn't that. Like, what was that? No, that was... um, that was um, the Paul, the Paul brothers, and they had a boxing match. Yeah, Jake like and a, Logan, like a proper boxing match. Yeah, not them two, but them two and some, uh, two other guys. Yeah, there were two brothers versus two brothers. Anyway, yeah. I mean, and anyway, so yeah, like that that sub to PewDiePie movement started, and it, it's what brought him up from like seventy million odd. But still, he's got seventy million, or he had seventy million mm-hmm. subscribers. And that is just far and above yeah. what, like, anybody else has, but, surely. Like, yeah. Marquez Brownlee has 10 million. Yeah. Like, the the most that. I know that I've seen is, like, 20, low 20 millions. And that's, like, the top. And then there's the gap. Yeah. and But what makes PewDiePie? Games. I don't like his videos that much. Yeah, I, just I like his gaming videos. I like his gaming videos, but I don't like some of the other random stuff that he puts I remember he played Slenderman a lot. Yeah. Like, that's, like, when I became aware yeah. of him back when that was the thing. Yeah. And then I was like, yeah, this is dumb. He's yelling at the at the computer. And yeah. It all ended when um, the shooting happened, I think, in New Zealand. Yeah. Because that guy said, sub to PewDiePie. Oh, he did, didn't he? He used yeah. that as a platform to oh. say. So, like, everyone okay, was Okay, using... so that's why, like, people were saying, oh, he and that was the end referenced of it. PewDiePie, but it was yeah. actually part of... Okay. Well, then that makes more sense for why he would have said that. You can't know everything. You read... You're, you're well read on everything else. <laughs> well, I've just, I've just missed, obviously... Internet, yeah, I've missed, like, YouTube totally, obviously. Um, I remember when the, like, Logan Paul thing came up. Yeah, with the um, there was a forest Japanese yeah, and I remember forest. that being like a big thing. But I didn't like I was like oh Logan Paul, someone I didn't know who Logan Paul was before yeah. then, and he got in trouble for that. Yeah, and um, that was yeah, that was a thing. But obviously, he's like really popular. Yeah, on YouTube, but I just like obviously YouTube just realized I don't 
yeah. get into that stuff. <laughs> um, you're gonna check a still recording, but yeah, that's like a really weird, weird thing that I, I've missed out on. I I used to be All more right. up on it. Yeah, like back in like year eight. <laughs> I, I was up on the, the Marcus Butler and yeah. uh, Alfie Days <laughs> scene, but I think it's moved on from them now a little bit. Yeah, yeah no, it was um, it was pretty big and just everyone was doing the whole Sub to PewDiePie movie. It was insane. Like, it was just... But what was... So was Sub to PewDiePie or Sub to this other guy? No, no, no. Everyone was like against him because he wasn't doing but anything. How did he win? He wasn't doing anything at all. Like it was like an Indian Bollywood star. Okay. So he's and already he got a platform so with like billion, like a 1.4 billion people in India. Yeah. So, <laughs> so he didn't need it. Such a weird, yeah. Such a weird, weird thing. Yeah. Like I'll, I'll look him up now. Like T series probably has oh, 102 million maybe now. Yeah. See, T-Series versus PewDiePie. T-Series diss track. T-Series diss track. I love how you search T-Series and, and it comes PewDiePie. up with PewDiePie. Yeah. Here we go. 105.8 million. What, is, what videos does he make? He's got 13,000 videos. 13,000? T-Series is... Okay, it's not one person. T-Series is India's largest music... Oh, so it's like Vivo. <laughs> I guess so, yeah. Remember Vivo? Music label. I, and, I yeah. remember, this is this is a weird thing, I remember watching, um, like when Vivo was actually a thing, I think they've kind of fallen over a little bit Yeah. since Spotify, mm-hmm. but when Vivo was a thing, I remember thinking, what if you went on, like, YouTube when a show like The X Factor started? Yeah. And you made accounts for all the because it would always be like Justin Bieber Vivo yeah. or Selena Gomez Vivo. Oh, so and you, you what made if you them made first. those accounts and then they could come and buy them from you? <laughs> <laughs> because like yeah, they would want that when the person eventually signed a contract with Sony. Yeah, if they won the, you totally yeah, could. So yeah, I was thinking like, is that a thing you could do? I was I always wanted to try. It, I never tried it. I'm and now sure... I'll set it on the internet. Someone else is going to do it, so it's done. But like, surely someone's tried to do it, or I maybe you just get your account cancelled. They're just like, ah, oh, he's. But like, could he's more legit? Could, could they? Could they like cancel your account? I know, like, there's. Um, I don't know. Well, like, I listen to a podcaster. His name is Andrew Sims, and he has at Sims on Twitter. Okay. And oh. Yeah, so, okay. like, the game, The Sims, can't get at Sims. Yep. Um, and he gets people tweeting at him all the time. When it's like, just... when they're talking about the game. The Sims, yeah. Like, he's managed to get... Get that. Which is... That reminded me of, uh... Have you... Have you ever searched for stocks on Twitter yet? You can use a dollar sign, can't you? You use the dollar sign, yeah. yeah. Um, no, I haven't. Okay. I found out very quickly. Um, there, there's one that's just like, sometimes you get like, you know, crypto bullshit 
and all this other stuff. And it's like, oh, I didn't want that crypto. Like, I want my stock. Like, it's hard to find your ticker symbol for Australia anyway. Than yeah. When there's like other countries out there. Yeah. And now crypto. And I looked up A2M Milk. Yeah. And I'm going to leave you with just that. Because eventually you'll you'll look it up yourself. <laughs> but A to M stands for something else. Oh no! <laughs> and Twitter, I don't know how it's so freely available on Twitter and how it's uh... not banned from the side. But you're allowed to post whatever you want on Twitter. I don't. It's just. Okay. And anyway, that's that's the tag, so you... and it's with the dollar sign. And they use the dollar sign. I think as well. it's well. Maybe that's like how they've got around it. Well, maybe it's just maybe the only A two M that comes up is with the. Maybe it could be just hashtags. Well, boring. yeah, yeah. So I, I looked that up and I was like, <laughs> close, 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 close. Get up, man. <laughs> <laughs> oh God. Yeah. That's bad. Yeah. Um, this is why like Twitter doesn't work. Doesn't work for me. <laughs> yeah, but people have gotten around it. Like you do, a two m dot ax, or yeah. Well, um, I know AX. on um on so you know on Google Sheets you can essentially import stock data. No. So on, on oh you mean just like like you know on Excel you got functions. Yeah, yeah. Um, if you so you type equals and then like something and then you can put in a bunch on Google Sheets you can do equals Google Finance oh. and then you can pull like a bunch of financial data. I did not know that. Yeah, it's pretty cool. That's pretty cool. Um so you can like track the current stock prices. Like it I've got like in my office we are running like a bit of a paper trading competition. Mm-hmm. Like every month we pick a stock. Yeah. And or we pick a US stock or an international stock, which always ends up being US, yeah. um, and then an Australian stock. Yeah. And it's just kind of like, it's just equal sizes. Yeah. And every month we just pick one and like, we'll see who wins. Yeah. Um, and so I built a spreadsheet on Google Sheets using it. So every time you open it, it updates the current price and updates your like oh. tracking, which is pretty cool. I'm going to have to use this now. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Because that's awesome. Yeah. Wow. So, like, yeah, you do equals Google Finance, like, open bracket, and then you type in your, your ticker, and there's a bunch of options. You can get, like, volume. You can get, like, an, yeah, any, everything. like, normal data you would get. Yeah. You can, like, just get it by, type like, typing it in. But it defaults to U.S. stocks. So, if you type in a ticker and there's a U.S. ticker, it'll gotcha. pull that information. Yeah. Um, so, you've got to write ASX colon... And then the ticker, yeah. and then it'll bring it up for you. Yeah. Um, but it's pretty cool. Interesting. Like it, it works pretty well. Um, you can do it for um, exchange rates. Um, I don't know how you do it. I don't. Know. You you Google it. It comes up. You can do it for exchange rates. You can do it for interest rates. You can do it for like anything. Which is really interesting. I'm just thinking of like I'm just going through all the ways in my head of what how I could like potentially use this yeah so it's really cool because every time you open it it updates that sort of data for you which like from a modeling standpoint could be really really interesting because you wouldn't have to manually update stuff i don't think excel or vanilla excel can do it i know you can get plugins which can do all that stuff 
Mm-hmm. Um, like I've got a plugin in my Excel which downloads 10Ks. Okay. Um, and like pl- puts them on a sheet for you. Um, but Excel doesn't really work well with the internet. Mm. Um, so that's like an advantage of Google Sheets. But then Google Sheets is just like yeah. shocking at other things. <laughs> I don't think Google Sheets can do data tables. Um, where essentially, you know what a data table is? Google Sheets, yeah. Can you do it in Google data- Sheets? No, I don't think so. Uh, you I can do it in Excel. To. Yeah, where like, essentially you're like, you pick like an X and Y variable and then it calculates a bunch of, like if you change the one variable, it gives you the answer for yeah. all different ones, um, which I used this week in an assignment, but you can't do it in Google Sheets, yeah. I don't think. Um, which, so Google Sheets is really behind. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, there's not as much functionality on there. There's not nearly as much, uh, but then for some stuff, it works super well, yeah. like pulling stock data. Which is, like, if you're doing something really basic. I wonder why it's so... Because they, they, surely they have enough resources just to... Yeah, you would think so. To fill it out, but maybe they don't want to... I th- Maybe it's a legal thing. Yeah. Like, they don't want to get tied up in court with Microsoft. Yeah. Um, but then, like, some really basic stuff. Like, they've only recently, in the last couple of weeks, added grammar uh, checking to Google Docs. Like, you know, on uh, Microsoft Word, you get a red underline yeah, if yeah. it's misspelled, and you get, I think it's blue now, but it used to be a green underline mm-hmm. if it's, like, bad grammar. Yeah. They've only just added that to Google Docs. Yeah. And that seems like, like, all right. <laughs> if if yeah. Google, if, if Microsoft sues you for that. Because I remember I used to do stuff in Google Docs. And then just because it was like, it's easy it would access. save and like you, you, you didn't have to worry about losing anything. Yeah. But whenever I wanted to actually print it out or, you know, format it, I copied it to yeah. normal Excel yeah. or normal, um, or word, or... word. It was normally word. Cause like it just didn't look the same. It, yeah. It just doesn't, it doesn't format nicely. If you're trying to do referencing, it doesn't, doesn't have solid referencing features. No. Uh, it does have like some sort of a referencing thing, but it doesn't work nearly as well as words. Yeah. Um, but then if you're just like, if you're doing stuff that you just want to be able to, it automatically saves and you open up on another computer and you can get to it. And like, it, it's brilliant for that. Yeah. But not for pr- producing anything. Yeah. Like any work product, it just doesn't work. Although I know that, um, like big accounting firms use Google Docs and Google Sheets okay. a lot. Yeah. Um, I know some people who work in big accounting firms like PwC and EY and Deloitte and all of those, and they, they use Google, Google Suite quite a bit. Yeah. Um, which, I mean, they must not be doing stuff that they get limited okay. um but then for them like security is a massive concern oh, yeah. because if they're auditing big companies yeah. well, they need to keep a lot of that <laughs> stuff private yeah so it's like a big thing yeah it's just interesting there was um 
there was something with the universities that I forgot to mention when we're talking about universities that was interesting. Um, but the one I'm at now, UOW, they, like, I'm not sure if I meant to say this, but, um, essentially like the, the staff meeting for the whole university was streamed on YouTube because it like, they had to get to all the stuff. Yeah. And, um, so I watched it and it was much like any other business presentation. Yeah. Like it didn't feel like a educational institution mm-hmm. in how they were sort of like talking about things. Yeah. It was like, um, like strategic investments and all the rest of it. And, um, then they came to a slide with, uh, like student numbers and student growth. Okay. Well, I thought you said like actual people's student numbers. <laughs> no, 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 no. Just display all the student numbers. No. And they, 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 they showed where, well, domestic growth, it's just like plateaued completely. Like there's no domestic growth at all. Okay. And I don't know if that's across other universities as well. If, because at the moment for me, it just feels like, the domestic market for students is just completely saturated. We already have too many people in university. Yeah. Because of this big push. Well, I felt the big push to go to university as yeah. opposed to getting a trade or something. And now you have a skills shortage. Um, yeah. But the interesting thing is where they're getting their growth from is just international students. Mm-hmm. And I've noticed that a lot in universities, like you've had a massive increase in international numbers and you can see it in your class as well like i saw it compared to (laughs) my first year compared to my final year yeah um final year which had crossover with masters students and there were a bunch of international students there that were just sort of there to get a degree there to get the paper pay for it and get out um but it, it, it just felt as though the university wasn't a place for, like, education. It was just, like, yeah. more of a business. Yeah. Well, this is an interesting thing because I, I said to you just before that I was, I've been watching YouTubers who are doctors and them talking about the sort of thought process that, processes that doctors go through where hospitals are run as businesses. And that sounds horrible. Yeah. Because, like, you're there to essentially make patients better. Yeah. Um, so, you, why are you making profit off of patients? Mm-hmm. But then he said, well, the other, the other way to look at it is that the hospital has to stay open. Yeah. If the hospital goes bankrupt and closes down, more patients will be harmed. Because there's not going to be hospital there anymore. So I guess if you bring that back to a university, mm-hmm. you can kind of apply the same logic. Yeah. Where it's like, yes, you're there to provide education, but if the university has to close down, you can't provide education. So when you're balancing the quality of the education you're providing and the profit you're making off of it, yeah. 
you there is a balancing act you can't just push the quality of education and spend a bunch of money because if you close down well then it doesn't matter what the quality of education is mm-hmm. which I th- I don't know how do you feel about your quality of your education um, at your university so I think this is this is something that is like I, I've been at two different universities um, so University of Western Australia because it's in Western Australia is much smaller mm-hmm. I think they've got about 10,000 students um, yep. whereas University of New South Wales has like 50,000 or more students at least yep. um, so they operate in very different ways mm-hmm. um, if I were to say which one I think was better I think it definitely the UWA was like far and above I had a better classroom experience mm-hmm. um, like I felt like the faculty knew who you were um, but then also I was in the physics school yeah. and so maybe that was a product of being in the physics school um, where like our class was like 300 people mm-hmm. um, and we didn't have all that much crossover. We had a few engineers in with us, but we didn't have all that much crossover in, in the physics school. Mm-hmm. So you had the same lecturers all the time. Um, and so I, there would be some like higher sort of quality there, yeah. I'm guessing. With a smaller... With yeah, with a smaller cohort. Yeah. Um, you know who the professors are. You can like just like go to their office and see them or like I remember when I used to go into uni quite early and I'd get coffee and then one of the physics professors would like some days a week he'd come and get coffee as well awesome. and I could have a conversation with him yeah. like that was just like part of his routine and like he would recognize me yeah and so like that feels like you would get a better standard of education yeah now when I switched unis, I switched degrees as well. So it's difficult to uh, sort of p- like compare the two yeah. because you don't know if you're comparing the degrees or yeah. you're comparing the unis. Yeah. But the sense I've got is it's much more, like there's just much more students. Yeah. Um, like the classes are less personal um what size is your class so it can range from like obviously the further through your degree you get the smaller they get so now i'm in third year classes like you'll have five or six people okay um but in like first year economics like microecon one you have like 40 people in the class 40 yeah so we had for the biggest class i was in yeah. was my first year physics because mm-hmm. it was used for the engineers as well. Yeah. 700 people. Oh, in the in the course? In the class. Like a lecture? Yes. Okay, so lectures are different. Yeah. Um, so lectures, I don't think we have lecture halls for 700 people. Ours topped out at 550 yeah. and then they 
had other and they had like a, had a, a separate stream. lecture hall that it would stream to yeah we had at um uwa we had for the maths course because the maths course was like engineers chemists physicists everyone was taking maths mm -hmm. so they would ha they booked two lecture theaters and then the lecture would be in one of them and then they they literally like it was a, a building that was built to hold two lecture theaters and that's all it had in it yeah. um so the lecturer would be in one and then literally the lecture theater next door they'd stream it to <laughs> and then sometimes it would break yeah or like yeah. the camera wouldn't track him properly or you'd like really want to you'd want to be in the one with yeah. the lecturer um and then so occasionally it would break and then someone would like run around and be like hey can you reset the camera yeah <laughs> and then they'd go back yeah. um but yeah so but then in shoots in first year first year physics actually we had a lot of people um i had like we had shoots and we had labs the labs were relatively small mm -hmm. but then like a lab doesn't really matter because you're just working on stuff um but the shoots were pretty big the mass shoots were small yeah um but then yeah in over here when i did like first year um economics first year accounting they're pretty big classes yeah but then like third year like obscure banking courses it's like five people yeah and then three of them don't show up so it's two people yeah i um i had like the experience between like uaw and one of the us ones as well because i was there yeah. for a year the us is totally different and it was yeah it was completely different um i mean some of my classes in uaw weren't that great yeah like i remember one where it was like there was 25 students in the class and there was four or five asleep not be and these weren't these weren't people that would like big sleepers they were just this guy was notorious for putting people to sleep <laughs> um but yeah i mean i don't think the standard of education was all that great especially for what um we were paying yeah, I and think... the, I remember, and there was like also there was, there were guys that would come to me um, outside of the university who might be tradies or something, and they would say, "Oh, you know, what are you doing?" I'm like, "Oh, I'm doing um, engineering," and they're like, "Oh, it's like really, really re good." I'm like, "Well, it's it's not really like it's not as hard as it's made out to be." Yeah. Um, outside of the university. And then when we looked to the US one, that was that was interesting because I would have people that were getting GPAs of four come over. I was like, oh my God, like these guys are so smart. They're getting perfect scores. They're getting perfect scores. What's going on? I was like, oh, that's so But then cool. an A is like 70% or something? No, no, no. An A is, an A is 90 plus. Okay. And A is 90, between, 90 to 93 or something. And then it's okay. like A plus is above that. Or A minus is that. And then A plus is like 93 to okay. 96. And A, yeah. Um, but the way in which they structure their universities, marking and everything is completely different. Yeah. So I stayed there for a year as an exchange student and got a 3.7. 3.77. But like that wasn't... That wasn't like effort. Yeah. So I was like, it, 
it just showed me how obtainable a four was. Yeah. Like if you could get and that as an exchange that's why they have to do all extracurriculars and all of that stuff like, to actually get in anyway. But like the markings say, there was it was very disappointing because I would go into a subject and there would be bonus marks. So there's yeah. this thing called in the US, Rate My Professor. Yeah. Do you know about it? Yeah, I've yeah, heard yeah. about it, yeah. Yeah, so essentially they just... You pick the professor who's going to give you the highest marks. Yeah. So there's an incentive for the professor to curve fit and all the rest yeah. of it. And I, I got um, one final exam where they had a 30% bonus mark. 30%? 30% bonus mark. So if you got a... So... <laughs> <laughs> and it stays... It doesn't It doesn't get rounded down 100%. It stays at whatever you get. <clears throat> so you can finish at, like you know, plus... 100%. Over 100%, and then at your final mark, you get rounded down. Well, I mean, then an A is essentially 70%. Essentially, yeah. Because you get a bonus mark. Yeah. Um, well, I've actually had... I'm doing a derivatives course at the moment, mm-hmm. and the lecturer is American. Yeah. Um, he did his... I think he did all his formal education in the, in the States, mm-hmm. and then moved over here yeah. for whatever reason. And he's lecturing this derivatives course. And he has bonus marks in his assignments. But it's like one bonus mark out of like 80. Yeah. So it's not going to move the needle. Yeah. Um, but like, yeah, I can, I, I can see that bleed over. Um, and he treats the lecture a lot like I would imagine US university classes are like, where it's kind of a, a hybrid between a tutor and a yeah, lecture. Yeah, participation. Yeah, so he's like, he's walking around the lecture hall. Mm-hmm. He's like chatting to people. He's asking them th- questions directly. Yeah. Um, he's not just standing at the front and going through the lecture slides. But in, in saying that, like the university marking and stuff I was saying before, it is, I found the quality of education better. Yeah. They were more motivating there compared to UAW where they put you to sleep. <laughs> so like, well, yeah, because so like they, 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 like, they, they pretty much require easier. you to be in class. Yeah, they would mark you a lot easier. Yeah. And it was very easy to get higher marks. But I felt as though I was getting and grasping more of the material. Because they were just... It was kind of like your physics teacher, your physics lecturer. Like, they would go out and you would have coffee with them. And that was just, like, commonplace. Yeah. Um... Whereas at my university, like, it just, it's not as, no, not as frequent, no. Yeah, like, you would, unless you made a very specific effort to get to know the lecturer, you wouldn't, like, really. Like, I know, I did my first semester at UNSW, I was working Mm part-time, so I would go in to campus quite a bit, and I'd go to the lectures, and... And it was like, you walk in, you sit down, listen to the lecture, walk out. Yeah. Like, there wasn't interaction yeah. with the professors. Um, they, like, there literally just wasn't any of that. Um, I, I had a law course where the tutor was really good. Mm-hmm. He was a younger guy, though. Um, and he would, like, email, like, if you were sending him questions or, like, sample answers or whatever he would reply and give you detailed feedback. Yeah, that's good. Um, I had that for a few. Yeah. Uh, but 
other than that, like, there's... It's really, like, I haven't been to a lecture since, like, semester one of last year. Yeah. I mean, there were some fabulous... Like, I can't say all of them were terrible. Yeah. I'm just saying the average was pretty bad. But, like, there were some fantastic lectures in there. But I think that... That would take time out to do things. Yeah. Like, I would would sit down with one lecturer for, like, an hour and she would just work through problems. It's quite quite a funny... uh, it's kind of a running joke in the UWA physics department that in your first semester you do physics for scientists and engineers Mm -hmm. which is like your thermodynamics and your classical mechanics and like your sort of like electricity magnetism Mm -hmm. basic stuff Um, and essentially you would have a different lecturer for each topic Mm -hmm. and they they hit you first up with thermodynamics and they had the first the first lecturer I remember his, his name was Darren I don't remember his last name mm. um, and he was excellent yeah like he wrote a, essentially a textbook like his notes were written like into a textbook that he sent out before That's class cool. um, and it was like a hundred-ish or 150 pages for his notes for I think he did lectured for two weeks or three weeks okay. um, and then Essentially, his lectures were walking you through the notes, but not like he was reading them. Yeah. Like, he would do some experiments, maybe, or he would build up, like, the diagrams that he's put in the notes. He would build them up and show you the intuition or, like... And then he would sometimes cut to the notes and then show you, like, the diagram Mm. that's in the notes and say, so this is how you can understand it in the notes for when you're studying. He was excellent. Yeah. Like, he was... And it's kind of like a running joke that they hit you with him first and then they have the, all the old guys yeah. who kind of don't really know how to lecture properly yeah. and they come next. And so we had a, um, a like a, a staff student like feedback session where essentially the cohorts would, someone from the cohorts would essentially be the representative and then they could take any concerns or whatever and the without fail the first years always go in and be like when do we get Darren again <laughs> and they say oh yeah in third year yeah yeah <laughs> it, it was just funny and i mean that that brings me to like the the final point in like university is like they brought up in the portal about a college equivalency degree where you essentially have a bit of paper that if you're able to pass the test following like the, the similar tests that you would complete in university, do you still get the bit of paper? So rather than go through... Rather than do the course, years. because I I thought about this as well. In my course, there was... I mean, there was a lot of wasted time. So say for one particular topic, I think it was rehashed six times in like six different subjects. Yeah at the beginning of the semester Mm -hmm. as a refresher. But if you, I I feel as though there could be a more streamlined course whereby you can just like plow through it and not have these rehashes and. Well, I I guess it depends. It depends on the, on the degree as well. Um, Like it makes sense for engineering 
to have like a college equivalency degree or physics or like the hard sciences Mm -hmm. it makes sense because like it's knowledge you have you have it or you don't um and then if you want to continue being a scientist then you've got to build up the skills of being a scientist which takes time but i think with other degrees like maybe uh law medicine Mm. uh, i think even commerce to a to a point and then things like history and those degrees the degree what you get from the degree is more than uh just the knowledge it's the process of thinking and the the process of doing you had that as in engineering as well yeah like you're obviously brainwashed into a certain way of thinking yeah you you get it in but then but then with the hard science i think engineering is maybe a bit of a like odd one but the hard science of physics and maths if you can do it you can do it yeah if you know if you know the stuff like you know the stuff but then say i i can speak to commerce is you can learn a lot of the stuff very quickly, mm-hmm. but you don't get a sense for how the market works yeah. and how business how business works, and you've got to be exposed to to stuff over a period of time. Yeah. And so I don't I don't see essentially a big organization hiring someone who's done three months of study to learn the knowledge Mm -hmm. because they just don't have that exposure um and this would apply to law as well because you can learn well you don't need to learn the law like if you're a lawyer you can google it you can like there's osley you can look up what the law is yeah it's important i mean it would be uh efficiency wise like it if you knew where to look. Yeah, so you're learning how to look at it. You're learning how to interpret law, like legal structures, how... Because the law is a lot more than what's written down. This is essentially a, a core component of how our legal system works, mm-hmm. is that you have essentially... Um, you have written law but then it gets interpreted by courts. And there are things like the intent of the law. Mm -hmm. Like, well, why was it written? Uh, Like, why why was a law made? Uh, And the courts take that into account. And so if you're a lawyer, you need to understand that. And you only understand that by being exposed to a whole range of situations. So you can know the law and you can know how the court system works and you can know how uh, how to apply different specific bits of the law. Mm-hmm. But you can't be a good lawyer. Yeah. And that's why lawyers, I don't know quite how it works in Australia, but in I know in the UK you get a degree in law and then you do essentially a, a like course a six month or 12 month course which teaches you uh sort of some of the practical skills of doing law and then you go into a firm 
and then you do training in your firm. And if you go into a, a Wall Street bank, yeah. well, they expect that you know nothing, essentially. I mean, you get in because you can, you know more than the other people that you were against getting in, but you're going to get trained on the job. Yeah. But they can't train you on just market intuition. So exactly. they're more worried about that. Yeah. And so if they ask, like, they, they will ask you in interviews, like, what's happening to oil at the moment? Yeah. Exactly. And there was, um, that, that, that's, that's a conversation I had with someone the other day was that they, they were wondering what to do with their degree mm-hmm. and what would be relevant. What degree did they have? I think they were doing, they might've been, they think they were doing accounting mm-hmm. and they were going to do a minor in business or law. Yeah. And they want to own their own, well, they want to open their own business, but they have their father's business back that they're going to go and work in. Yeah. Um, but it, it's similar to a conversation I have with someone about trading. Um, so they were studying finance and they wanted to go into trading. Well, this is a big thing is like finance does not I know, teach you. I know, I know. <laughs> but like I asked them, like, have you opened a brokerage account? Oh no, they had And they said no. So I was like, okay, well, trade. how have you opened a, like a, an account that like it's a simulator? No. Well, what do you mean? Like, I think there needs to be, like when you're doing these things, if you're studying business, I think you go out and you try and start a business on the side. Like you, it doesn't have to be like what Nick Fabrio done open a yogurt shop yeah. while you're studying <laughs> business. Like you don't need to get that sort of practical experience. Yeah, like a lot of people can't do that. Line. A lot of people can't do that. Um, but say even even engineering. Like I got a mate who who built a uh, entire buggy. Yeah, he designed the whole thing on CAD and then went out and built it. Yeah, like it's just like if you're going to be doing these things, I feel like you need to be doing them on the side as well. Like. It's not enough just to have a degree. Like you need to go out and yeah have that as part of your like side hobby or something. Like it needs to be yeah no part I, of your like outside agree. degree as well. Um, and that's it's it's definitely tr- true that if you want to make it into a field, every there's going to be five hundred people. Who's, who've got a degree in that field. Mm-hmm. Um, so you need to stand yourself apart. One, by you've got to do well in the degree. Mm-hmm. But the degree is essentially, uh, it's a filter. Yeah. And so when you apply, they it's an easy way for them to filter. This is why if you apply to a Wall Street bank, they're going to have a test mm-hmm. that you do. Um sort of you apply and you'll get an email you have to do a test i mean i'm sure they consider the results of that test when they start screening but one of the big functions of that test is just to cut everyone who doesn't complete it yeah because some people won't there was um like an intelligent person that came up to me and there were we had a conversation about like marks getting certain marks in your degree and why that they weren't, they weren't necessarily just assumed that wanted to pass, but they were just 
Like they're a good student. They might've been on a credit distinction average or something like that. But there's nothing that differentiates a person. Like when you have two people, one that works hard and one that's just naturally gifted, intelligent, but lazy and goes out and parties and stuff. Yeah. There's no, there's nothing to differentiate the two people when you get there. marks it's just like oh they've got the same marks it must be the same yeah you can't go in and say look i am smarter than this person i learn quicker because nothing displays that and you can't say look i am more intelligent but i went out and i partied all the time like i wasted time there's nothing to show that you yeah are any different to that other person so you need to be doing stuff outside of your degree yeah extracurriculars and go okay well i've got the same marks but like i've got this stuff as well and i think a lot of people they go okay well i'm especially me early on i'm just like i'm getting these marks that's good enough yeah but it's it's not like it's yeah at the end of the day if if you're good enough to sort of have this free time outside and you're just you've you can do the work and get these marks well then you need like, to be why aren't you using that free you time? You need to be using that free time for something else yeah. um, related to your degree. And when it gets to, like, if you're going into something that requires, like, actually requires a degree to get into, mm-hmm. um, so you're talking about, like, professions, accounting, engineering, banking, mm-hmm. uh, medicine, like, those sorts of fields... They are very high-pressure fields, mm-hmm. and when you go... They want people coming in who have a passion for it, mm-hmm. and having a degree isn't enough to show you have a passion for it. Mm-hmm. Um, and the reason they want to know that you have a passion for it because you're going to be in any of these entry-level jobs. You're working 60, 70, 80 hours a week, yeah. and they don't want someone who comes in and then six months down the line quits. Yeah. because they've just poured a bunch of resources into training you. Exactly. They don't want you to quit. Yeah. Uh, they need you to stick around at least until the end of the grad program. And then if you want to leave after grad program, they plan for that. Mm-hmm. So they need someone who sticks around. Yep. And so when you're doing stuff on the side that can show that interest yeah. and the passion for, it doesn't need to be, like if you want to go into finance it doesn't need to be trading no 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 no. that's just that's one small portion of finance like it's finance is massive well i mean finance like if you if you go into banking you may never trade a stock in your life if you go into investment banking you're not going to trade stocks Mm -hmm. um but if you go into trading i mean trading is a bit of a different thing because it's a very like there's an innate quality in good traders Mm -hmm. So you kind of do need a track record in trading. Yeah. But if you go into finance, they want to see that you care about. And interested in it, yeah. Yeah, and because you're going to become completely absorbed in it. Yeah. And it, like even when you're not at work, you need to stay on top of things because you can't catch up on the markets very quickly. Yeah. If you take a week off, like, paying attention to the financial news it's going to take you a while to realize what's going on again mm-hmm. and so they want to see that you're not you're reading the news to get the job 
they want to just see that you you read the news because it's yeah. interesting. Yeah. And I can imagine with with law, it's a bit different. They want you to have legal experience because I think in law, there's a big divide between theory and practice. Uh, so they want to see some like lower level, like clerkships and whatnot. Yeah. Um, in obviously medicines are very specializing and I mean you'll you'll be doing your education for three decades so um I, and I can't I can't speak to how that I tried to figure it out because I, I looked it up this week like how do you become a doctor in Australia and it had like this whole big like chain of all the different options you can do and yeah, you can do all these different steps and it's like adds up to like 500 years <laughs> so yeah it's a big thing but yeah, I think university system in Australia it's all right. It works okay yeah. because you're not burdening the population mm -hmm. with mountains of debt. Like yeah, you pay your your hex off eventually, but yeah, like, I like the US. It's, yeah, it's, it's nothing like it's because if you in the US, if you don't get a job, you like you go under. Yeah, exactly. So, you have. You don't have I think mobility. It's six months before you have to start being like paying interest on your yeah, loan. yeah. So you have a six month window where you have to get a job. And there are, there are some loans where you start paying interest during your degree. Yeah, but and that but that also like that's that's the thing too. If I was in the US, I wouldn't have been able to experiment with the stuff that I'm doing now, like YouTube yeah. and trading and stuff. Like yeah, you'd have to get I a would, job. I'd be screwed. Like I would have to get a job. You couldn't take a chance on things. And that's what causes it. either you make it straight out of uni yeah. or you don't. And I think that was yeah. the interesting thing about the, the Teal Fellowship was like it, it removes, it pulls them out of university and just pays for them and allows them to go out and do that creative stuff. Yeah. Or, you know, that, because as soon as you're out and you have that amount of debt, well, you're screwed. Like you, yeah. you, you have to get a job and just sort of, you have to deal with that creative stuff later on in life. Yeah, at least here you can get your degree. Yes, you're under a, a bunch of debt, but you don't have to start paying it. Yeah, and you Especially you if you're don't. Not working, like it's, yeah, like only once you. I think it's forty five thousand dollars now. Okay. They just load it and people freaks out over it, yeah. but yeah, like and that that's quite a low boundary. Yeah. But also, it's you then just pay a portion of your paycheck. Um, it's easy you just you don't notice it yeah like obviously it cuts it you'll notice it if you go over boundaries because mm -hmm. the way it works it, it's not like the tax brackets where you pay like if you go over eighteen thousand two hundred dollars you then pay i think 19 cents in the dollar for every dollar over yeah, the yeah. threshold and then if you go into the next bracket you only pay the like increased right. amount on yeah. the amount you go into that bracket with hex if you go into the bracket that you start paying it off it's just a blanket of what you've it's like it's like, like it's moving insurance. into the tax bracket of eighteen thousand. it's like well it's not every dollar now it's for that eighteen thousand dollars that you earned yeah well, i mean comparatively yeah. to yeah HECS, so yeah. it's your entire yeah. taxable income they then take a chunk of that yeah. so it can hurt you a little bit if you move slightly into that bracket yeah. um but that's an edge case so if you're moving into, if you go out of uni and you get a job 
paying 100k or if you get a job paying 60k mm -hmm. you're just going to adjust your lifestyle yeah. to what you're earning mm -hmm. and what you're earning is what's landing in your bank account most people don't even know like how much tax has been taken out or whatever <laughs> so it's what's landing in your bank account so you adjust your lifestyle to that and then you're not going to notice it it's only really an issue for people who don't go into a job that's well into that bracket yeah. or even just a little bit into that bracket mm -hmm. straight out of uni yeah. then they'll notice like a big yeah. drop in their actual uh, money that they have available to them mm -hmm. when they inch into that bracket yeah. which I guess I mean you can debate the, the pros and cons of it but I mean, I, I think it's a better it's system. I think it's a better system than the US. Oh, it's a much better system than the US. Um, it's not as good as like Germany, but like I would have had some serious questions of whether or not I went to uni. Yeah. If I were in the US. Yeah, it's a big. If I was going to be having coming out with US. plus hundred k debt that I had to pay off, start paying off in six months. Well, yeah. Then over yes. there, it's like a, it's a much different decision than it is here. Like, people can go to uni, and if they don't like it, they can, like, drop out. And it doesn't damage them that much yeah. over here. Yeah. But in the U.S., that puts you under, and it puts you under for life. Yeah. Like, in the U.S., you can't even get out of your student debt if you go bankrupt. Well, even, like, Social Security. They said when you go into retirement, and if you still haven't paid off your... Yeah, then they take it out of your 65, Social Security. You start, yeah, it gets deducted from your Social Security. And, like, well... That's if you had no savings, like that's what you had to live off. Well, you're essentially like going hungry. Yeah. Like, and if you, if you go bankrupt, like every, basically every other kind of debt, if you go bankrupt, it gets wiped away Yeah. because that's the point of bankruptcy. Yeah. Like, but they, they had an interesting point too, though. They said there was a, there was a more leftist side and a, there was a right side. It was, I mean, I like the right side. But um, if you do go bankrupt, then sure, that debt gets wiped away, but also the university has to pay yeah. for that debt. But that's not in system that that's, that's something not they suggested. No, yeah, that's exactly, that's something they suggested. But Which I think made that's a lot what, of sense. Well, if yeah. you're not providing the education that's good enough for them students to actually get a job, if they come out with a degree in something and they're unable to get a job well is it is it your university yeah that's the problem that's the problem because that's you get some wacky university yeah. in the US and they've got like like thousands of universities and I think and here we don't we have like yeah 30 like it doesn't it doesn't have to be much but it, I think it's it's useful to have the university accountable yeah. for at least a portion and I don't think there has the to be accountability like, on the students for going into, sure. in go, going into it, but then also the the university has to have some accountability yeah. in making sure that they're not selling students a university degree; they're selling them a useful education. Exactly. Like if if you're like at, at least then restricts the universities in certain degrees. So like say if you're in a sound bad but in an mm -hmm. arts program yeah that like they they it's very difficult to get it yeah it's difficult to get a job into well maybe the university then will restrict the number of 
of people who of um yeah and then because of that you're going to get a higher quality cohort yeah from which is more likely to get a job yeah and i think that it makes a lot of sense that small little tweak in the u.s system is what would encourage them to yeah i think that would work really well there are some universities that are opening in the u.s that essentially have a they take on the risk like completely oh okay um so you go in you do the university degree and then if you earn over a certain amount Mm -hmm. from when you leave uh so when you leave once you're earning a certain amount they take the the example i read they take 17 percent of your salary for two and a half years yeah and like that's your fees Okay. Um, but if you'd never get a job, yeah. l- like that's on the university. Yeah. Um, it's an interesting model, mm-hmm. at least. Um, it requires a lot of capital investment, obviously, up front. Yeah. Um, but yes, it's a, it's a really interesting model. Um, and there's, there's a couple of different programs. I know they essentially, the one that I know of, runs in silicon valley and it's not a traditional style university they teach you to get a job in silicon valley so then people are coming out and getting a job at google and uber and all these places and then earning crazy salaries and so it's a great return for the university but that that sort of model wouldn't function very well if they ran a very general research style university like you can imagine like they're not they don't have that surety of where the people are going to be placed yeah Yeah. i think that's everything we've got yeah we've been running for quite a while now yeah um probably need to head back to the train station yeah probably wrap it up here yeah that was good